and welcome to another episode of Serious Chats with me, Daniel. Now, if you're one of my handful of fans, you're probably wondering, where the hell has Serious Chats been? And to be completely honest with you, I've moved across the United States, got a new job, got a new house, got a new very noisy house beside a very busy main road. And, you know, moving to a new place can be quite trying. The last thing I've wanted to do is do a podcast. But about a month ago at work, one of my co-workers revealed to me that he'd seen The Grateful Dead almost 200 times. When I heard him say that, I thought, oh, this would just be perfect for serious chats. So that's what we did. Me and my co-worker Tay, we sat down had a little talk about his touring days and recorded it. And wouldn't you know, that recording is about to be played right now to you. So here we go. As I've just been saying to you, we always start off with a little bit of small talk. Mm-hmm. So one of my go-to small talk topics is, what did you do on the weekend? Yeah. So what did you do on your weekend? Um, I had a fun-filled weekend at a White River Amphitheater and uh, got to see about five good bands. Um, Bush, Stone Temple Pilots, Allison in Chains. It was all really good. Sounds like almost like a mini festival. Yeah. They had all kinds of booths set up and tents and beer gardens and And to hear they had table service as well. well yes. Not they table did. service, seat service. Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh it made my life a lot easier. <laughs> and did you have to tip them as well? Did you tip them? Yeah. You yeah. did. In in the UK people don't actually tip like when you go to a pub or a bar. Oh, you really? don't give a tip to the uh, the person serving you. So since I've come to America, that's like one thing that I just c- cannot get my head around. Yeah. Like, why are we giving somebody a dollar to serve us a drink, which only takes 10 seconds? <laughs> yeah, you might, right. You might not agree with me <laughs> on that one. Well, where I come from, you only make two thirteen an hour. Oh, well, yeah, that makes Here sense. Here you then. get minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a big difference. Yeah. So well, my weekend, it's actually funny that you did something musical because I went to the Museum of Popular Culture oh, okay. in Seattle. Have you ever been there? Yeah, yeah. Now, there's quite a lot of uh, music exhibits there. Yeah. Did you, see the, did you see the Nirvana? I did. Yeah. I really enjoyed the Nirvana. There's kind of, they've got a load of old photographs, old posters, merchandise. But that is really interesting. Yeah. And they've actually got a Pearl Jam exhibit on at the moment. Oh, nice. You know that. So, it's funny we're talking about music and gigs because something interesting about you is that you've seen the grateful dead yes how many times close to 200 close to 200 times yeah, now do you have an 200. exact number uh i think it's 198 you think 197 are you not one of those sure, it's or? been a few years so <laughs> i'm a little rusty <laughs> you know 198 times that's kind of extreme even if you're a really big fan of the band so yeah I'm wondering why have you seen them so many times I was going for a number of different reasons. Um, <laughs> I was going for the music, definitely. But the biggest part is the um, the parking lot scene before um, before the concert. 
Um, there's lots of vendors and um, a lot of those people um, made like jewelry and you know out of their basement t-shirts yeah. um, so it was really cool stuff to get to see um, there's lots of um, other music going on such as drum circles um, nice. which were super exciting very high level of energy so yeah and and just the people you know overall people brought me back so when you're touring with the Grateful Dead, there's kind of like a little mini community around oh, yeah. there. Is that, yeah, is that how it is? It's its own little secret society within itself. You know, you get to know the people um, that are traveling because you see them on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, so it becomes very communal. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you make friends quickly. Can you remember your first Grateful Dead gig? Oh, yeah. And how you how you went along to that? Oh, yeah. So uh, the first time I saw the Grateful Dead was um, through my neighbors. Um, their son was babysitting me and his little brother um, right. for the night. So him and his friends thought it would be, they thought they'd get a kick out of it to um, take us to the concert. Um, right. So we were all of but 12. <laughs> 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and would you say he was a good babysitter or not? Because, you know, he's uh, taking you to a... Adult gigs. Yeah, well, today being an adult with children, <laughs> I would probably say not so much. <laughs> um, but back then, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, he had introduced me to something um, that I had never been exposed to in my life. I'd been to concerts before um, with my father um, in previous years, but I'd never been to a concert like this. Um, this was completely different than anything I've ever experienced before. What was different about it? So much going on. There's just so much energy, it's different levels of energy. The people, um, the food, everything was just very unique. The experience itself was just very unique. And I felt like I was a part of something. I'd never had that feeling before. Um, but this group of people, which we call deadheads, yeah. um, they just kind of embrace you and they bring you in um, and they're very kind people, not all of them, <laughs> but the majority of them, um, very kind people, very nice and generous, just very helpful. And um, it, it was just, it was like something had embraced my soul right. for the first time. It's strange to hear you describe it in that way, because it sounds like a lot of what you're describing has nothing absolutely to do with the, the music. It's more about the, the people that are there. And Well, you know, the Deadheads and the Grateful Dead have a very um, interesting relationship. They kind of feed off of each other. Yeah. Um, and that's what, what makes the concert so powerful is that the Grateful Dead themselves, the music that they play each night is kind of based on how they feel. And so a lot of that feeling, um, that energy was was brought on from the crowd. So the crowd had as much as of an influence on the band as the yeah. band did on the crowd. So, yeah. Can you remember what you had when you were 12 at this first concert to eat? Because you talk about food. Honestly? Can you remember? Can you, can <laughs> Honestly? you remember? <laughs> yeah, I totally remember. <laughs> what did you have? I had mushrooms. Mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Are these a special type of mushroom? Yeah, these were definitely oh. special type mushrooms. And you were... <laughs> Was this brought on by a babysitter? Because, you know, he's really yeah. doing a bad job now. It, yeah, he's really doing a he's bad job. This <laughs> yeah. he's taking you to the concert. That's bad enough. Yeah. But now he's giving you some special mushrooms. Yeah, so. um, that kind of just happened before we left. Uh, we were kind of pre-partying, so to speak. And, <laughs> um, 
this isn't the first time that his brother had exposed us to um, mood-altering substances, should I say. It kind of came with the territory, um, but, you know, they they very kindly placed them on pizzas. Right. And we had pizza, um, and they didn't tell us. They didn't tell you that <laughs> no, it was they didn't a tell us. special mushroom something? Yeah, so we found out very quickly that these yeah. mushrooms were not your average. <laughs> how, can I ask, how did you find out? You know? uh, well, it started to um, affect us, and we started to feel different, and we got <laughs> giggly, and we... Uh, laughed a lot, and um, so we pretty much knew at that point that something was not exactly right. <laughs> something's gone wrong here. Yeah, something's gone right. Yeah, I suppose. You so, would say. good thing um, is that you know we didn't have like a bad experience or anything yeah. like that, um, and it definitely enhanced the moment. It, it gave a whole nother perspective um, onto the concert. Um, yeah, and I, I think I don't think I would have had the same experience if I hadn't done that. Yeah. Um, it would have been completely different. If you were completely sober. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad that I took that route. Um, yeah. It and, and it really opened me up. It opened up my conscience um, to what was going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this, this commu- very communal thing that was happening. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would have been as open to it as I was at that point. But I was very open to it. And um, yeah, it was a great time. It's strange how you were having those kind of thoughts and experiences at 12 years old. It seems like yeah. the type of thing you would have much later on. Yeah, the kids in my neighborhood, um, we had a lot of older kids, a lot of high school kids um, in our neighborhood when we were in elementary and junior high. And they kind of took to us as like their, their little buddies. Yeah. Um, so we kind of got um, introduced to some things at a very early age. Not that we hadn't been introduced. You know, my father was a hippie, and he Mm. took me to a lot of concerts when I was younger. So that type of, you know, those types of things were definitely going on. I just wasn't at a point where I was doing them. Yeah. (laughs) So the time was probably going to come sooner or later. But I'm glad that it happened with people that I could trust. um, Yeah. To an extent. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I don't know how much you can trust somebody that spikes you with with magic mushrooms. But he he took care of us. He made sure that we were okay. And uh, he made sure that we were safe. And he never lost track of us. Um, And, I I mean, he didn't have us do anything that we didn't probably would have wanted to do um, at that point. Yeah. we had definitely tried smoking marijuana at that point. So, you know, we had a little experience under our belt, <laughs> although we were 12. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we grew up a little bit um, faster than most most kids. Um, it was a very unique neighborhood that I lived in, very unique. The people, uh, there was a lot of hippies in my neighborhood. So that type of behavior wasn't, you know, it was expected. And I'm guessing... That was your first show. I'm guessing you didn't start touring with the, the Grateful Dead immediately. Oh, no. So uh, my tour days didn't start. Um, so my first show was in 87, um, March of 80, 87. And then I went to a couple shows uh, the following years, 88, 89. Um, I, 89 was the show that really changed my whole perception on life completely. That show was a special show because the Grateful Dead, their original name was the Warlocks. Right. Um, and that's what they played under back in the 60s. Um, they didn't become the Grateful Dead until um, 69, 70. 
but they decided to play a show under that name, Warlocks, at a Hampton Coliseum. I'll never forget it. It was 1989. And uh, they hadn't played a song in, I think, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um, and they played it at that show for the first time. And I'd never seen anything like that before. I'd never witnessed a just a burst of crowd energy that just exploded and erupted into this just, ah. Well, um, I guess like a lot of people that are there are probably diehard fans that yeah. you know, they've been waiting to hear this song yeah, for yeah. literally 10 years that you're saying, and then suddenly they play it. Yeah, so you can imagine, you know, the camaraderie, you know, amongst fans just witnessing this all happen. And I and I knew what that song was about. I, I knew all about it. Um, but I, it was just, it was amazing. Everything was very perfect that night. Everything fell into place. So needless to say, um, my first experience of going from one show to the next happened that night. I had met this girl, actually, who um, was just one of the most beautifulest people I'd ever <laughs> met in my life. <laughs> I couldn't believe how beautiful this girl was. Now, can I just kind of stop you saying sure. and ask, were drugs involved in this night as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, so at this point, um, we are full on um, into the drug culture, right. um, this stage of my life. Yeah. Nothing too extreme. I mean, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of marijuana, a lot of LSD, um, right. a lot of hallucinogenics. Because um, I'm just part. wondering, you know, was part of this the drugs? You know, this is the most beautiful woman in the world was yeah it was it was definitely part of the drugs um but it wasn't just about that though um it was again it was just the different energies that i was um, coming across in people that really just drew me more into the culture and you know the girl that i had met that night she had just presented to me what this culture was and and you know just what it was in its realest form. And, yeah. and it was the first time that ever anyone had ever explained it to me. And for the first time, it just made sense. It mm. all clicked. Yes, the drugs clicked too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just, I, it was something about that girl, and she convinced me to go on to the next show with her, um, her and her friends. And so I left my friends behind and uh, jumped into their car after the show and went on to the next show. And that was my first experience of going from show to show. Um, so that was like the first back-to-back shows yeah, you went to. Yeah, and first shows that were out of state, basically. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a really amazing time. And um, I was gone for probably five days and my parents had no idea where I was. <laughs> they hadn't heard from me. I didn't call them. Um, it's probably not one of the best judgments I could have made. No. And <laughs> but, this was pre-internet as well, so you couldn't just send yeah. them a in pre-mobile phones. So you couldn't just send yeah. them a text oh, yeah. message. Yeah. yeah, there were no pagers. There were no mobile phones or anything. Um, so, yeah, this was and this was my freshman year in high school, when they when they came to Hampton and uh so you were playing hooky from school as well I'm yeah oh, you, oh yeah I missed this. a lot of school but the cool part was that not knowing that we were going to be doing this four of my other friends wind up doing the same thing and yeah. so we ran back into each other 
um, at the next concert. So it was this really magical moment. Like we ran into each other and it was really great. But yeah, that's my first experience with, with going show to show. That's kind of a scary thing to do, like to go away with these people, more, more or less strangers. I suppose yeah. they probably weren't strangers because, you know, we both had this connection that was really binding together. But it seems kind of a scary thing to do, and I don't think everybody would uh, do that type of thing. You know, I have two two kids today, yeah. um, <laughs> and I always think to myself is, you know, what if my kids were to ever do that? I would probably lose my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it it was a scary thing. But you know, at that time, I guess kids could get away with doing things like that. Um, yeah. it, you know, it was the late night eighties early 90s you know there wasn't so much craziness in the world you yeah. could get away with doing that and it, again it would it was probably not the most mature decision that i've ever made in my life well, um, you were only a teenager though seeking so yeah. yourself off a little bit but i i will never regret it um it was some of the best times i've ever had in my life some of the best experiences um i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about people and in, in the world that we live in and uh I don't know. It, it was worth it. It was worth it. I was definitely putting myself in danger, for sure. Being away from my family, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I didn't. I don't think I had any money at all. But somehow, I, I you know, people would feed feed me and and give me food, and you know, people gave me T-shirts, and you know, and that's that kindness that I was talking about earlier um, with the the Deadheads. Is there's there's a a family sense amongst these guys. So, uh, yeah. So there's like, there's just so many things I'm wondering right now. And uh, one of them is what happened to the girl. Uh, so I wound up, remember I told you I ran back into my friends. Yeah. Um, so I wound up riding back home with them because I had to come home, man. Yeah. Like, this, been I mean, a week. this is great, okay, but my, it's been five days. Probably think something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, they probably reported me missing and yeah. everything. Um, yeah. I just, I, I I lost track of her and ran into my friends and came back home. That's amazing because I was saying this was pre-internet. Nowadays, it would be like, okay, you've met this girl. Now let's get her on Facebook. And then, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll chat on Facebook and all that. Yeah. But back then, it was kind of nice Yeah, that you could have that connection with somebody. And then they're, then they're there in your memory forever, you know. Yeah. Rather than they're on your Facebook and then you've got to put up with them every day. I'll never day forget then... her, man. Her, the, the picture of her um, is like embedded in my mind. Is it? When I met her, she was carrying a little tambourine and she was kind of dancing around with this tambourine. And I just thought that was just the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she was so beautiful. The ways that you met people back then is totally different than how you meet people now. Yeah. You know, it's much more pure back then. Mm. Much more pure. Because everybody was on drugs by the sounds of it, yeah. which helped. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. So that was only five days, but later on, you obviously went on for much longer yeah. amount of times. And when did that start happening? Oh, man. So that was, uh, let us see, that was my sophomore year. So that was 90. Right. Yeah. So you Spring were still in high school at yeah. that point. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately decided that um, this was going to be my career <laughs> and that I didn't need school anymore. Yeah. Um, so I dropped out of high school and um, I kind of regret doing that. I have gone back and gotten my GED um, yeah. since then, I'm gone to college. But 
I probably should have stayed in in school, but I didn't. Um, I just wanted to see the world. I mm. just wanted to see something outside of my little box in Virginia. You know, I'd been all over Virginia, and I just needed to see something different. And when I went to that show that we were just talking about, when I had that experience of traveling, it just sucked me in. Like, it just took over me, and that's that's all I wanted to do was just travel. What better thing to do than follow a band around and definitely eat psychedelic drugs all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, the, the problem was you got the taste too early. Maybe that's what it yeah, is. You got this- yeah, yeah. I did because the life of being on the road for the band and all these this community yeah and all that freedom is completely different to being in high school isn't it and you know everybody's got oh, yeah. all these rules for you and you've got to do this and that oh yeah so I'm not surprised it was kind of a uh, so appealing to you yeah it was age. a relief I mean you know we didn't have to conform to all the craziness of high school you know yeah. we didn't have to be a part of this club or that club or you know all these pressures to you know have a's and b's and go to college like we we just weren't those kids you know and i don't think it should have been any other way the way that we did it because you know we we're different and we think differently Uh, our perception is different that gave us the ability to take full advantage of that um that freedom and i think that kids like us we really just we needed to be able to let go and we did (laughs) we did we did and I, I, I wish that I would have been older so that I could either finish high school or whatever the mm-hmm. case may be. But, I mean, at the time, um, the Grateful Dead were in their prime. And I'm lucky to been able to have, <laughs> if I would have waited any longer, you know, I would, have, I would have never seen them. So I'm glad that I got to see them as early as I did. And uh, it was worth it. It was definitely worth it. I guess the the time has given you some perspective on the whole thing. Yeah. Well, I've grown up a little bit. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if I could do it right now, I would, you know, I would follow Pearl Jam around the state or, or uh, the country and, and do it, you know. But unfortunately, now I have bills and children and, yeah. you know, car payments. And yeah. so, but um, I keep trying to convince my wife that uh, <laughs> for the summer we should just take off and you know, do a road trip, even just to drive cross country. And we don't have to follow a band, just drive mm-hmm. cross country. Cause it's, it's a certain freedom that I think everybody should experience at least once in their life. Definitely. Yeah. That's something me and my wife have done a few times, just, uh, driving around New Zealand. We drove around, we, nice. we drove around, well, we, we drove to Seattle from Florida and we made that into a little road trip. Yeah. That's just a lot of fun. It's just nice waking up in the morning knowing you don't have to go to work and you can yeah. do whatever you want, you know? Yeah, and, and you can go anywhere you want to go. Yeah. You just pick the direction and you just go. And, you know, honestly, I really I believe that um, I, I picked up this passion for that type of living. When I was three, my dad um, packed us up in an O'Connell van, O'Connell lawn van, you know, those big vans. Yeah packed up all of our stuff and we drove cross country. Um, and that was my first experience of, of being able to, you know, migrate like that. Yeah. Um, we drove from Washington DC all the way out to Arizona and, and wow. back. And it was an amazing trip. We met all kinds of people and, you know, it was the same experience, the same experience. So I think it, it kind of grew on me. So you can always blame your dad. If yeah. I always blame this. him. <laughs> it's all his fault. <laughs> 
what was life on the road like with the Grateful Dead? It wasn't easy. I'll definitely say that. I mean, you have to kind of have a taste for sleeping in the back seats of cars and <laughs> tents yeah. on the side of the road, running out of gas and not having any money. You know, just all of the things that comes with that, it can be pretty hard on you. So you definitely have to be in a space mentally to, to be able to endure some of that hardship. But uh, it was worth it. It was all worth it. I'm here. I'm, you know, I survived it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's pretty crazy things that happened, you know. I remember being stuck on a side of the road with no money, holding up a sign, begging people for change, for gas money, just so we could get to the next show. Yeah. It wasn't even to get home. It was to get to the next show. It sounds like a kind of a strange existence because it's almost like you're forcing yourself into homelessness and poverty just so you can get yeah. to the next show to see your yeah. band. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what it's like. We did that. I mean, you know, that was kind of the price that you paid to, to live the life of the Grateful Dead. I never had a really, really bad experience ever. Um, I mean, you know, I had sleeping cars. I had to sleep outside a few times. I've been stuck in rainstorms. But nobody ever took advantage of me. Nobody tried to harm me. And the people that I was with were all really close. So we kind of took care of each other. With the lack of money, how did you afford drugs and to get into <laughs> the show? Uh, working a Grateful Dead parking lot can be pretty interesting. There's a number of people doing a number of things in the parking lot. You know, there's things, everything from grilled cheese sandwiches being sold to T-shirts to hats, you know, to jewelry. But you had to have a hustle. Um, in oh, order to hustle. So what we used to do is we used to... Um, break into these warehouses <laughs> right and... <This> sounds <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we would jump these fences and um we would cut holes in a chain link fence and um we would steal nitrous tanks nitrous tanks nitrous oxide right so that's a big thing in the grateful dead parking lot right so you fill the balloons up with nitrous oxide and you suck on them and you get this really insane crazy high for about yeah 10 seconds yeah well, we learned um, that you could um, get one of these nitrous tanks and you could make about $5,000 off of them per tank. Right. Um, so that was, our, that was our hustle. Right. Yeah. So you were selling the nitrous to other people that were traveling with you and... People, people in the parking people, lot. Yeah. So, it, like I said, you could make pretty close to about $5,000 off a nitrous tank. Um, and what happens is you throw the <laughs> tank in the trunk of your car yeah. and you pop your trunk and you get a bunch of balloons and you just fill the balloons and you sell them two for five bucks. Right. Well, if you can imagine how many people show up at a Grateful Dead concert and then how many of those people stand in that line, there's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So it was a pretty hefty profit. First of all, how did you come up with this idea? Like, well, Somebody... this was nothing that we came up with. This right. was stuff that people were already doing. So people were already doing um, We kind of just learned from other people. So so let's say you've got your, your cylinder of gas, and then the gas runs out. How do you know where to go for the next? you got to find it. Because you, you're obviously in a new, you're so, in a completely different place. You've never been there before. How do you know where to get? So hospitals are a good place to go. <laughs> I, don't just know how much we say, I don't know how much we should say, yeah, because we're probably <laughs> yeah. encouraging people to do this. <laughs> right. But uh, hospitals. Yeah, so hospitals. Because so what they do places. is they, um, 
when because um, that's like is that like laughing gas that you have yeah, when you go like to the dentist. dentist office yeah. yeah so when the when the delivery guys drop the tanks off they drop them off at the on a loading dock so they just load them up and they leave them there yeah um so the whoever were in the hospital needs a nitrous tank they just come down to the loading dock and they wheel it off no big deal well we were sneaking up to the hospitals and snatching the tanks from the loading docks <laughs> oh yeah so what I'm actually picturing in my head is I imagine basically the people from Scooby-Doo staking out a hospital in the, the VW camper van waiting for a delivery. Once That's the delivery pretty is made, much it. Run up, steal the tanks. Yeah. And then you've got $5,000, right? Like, yeah. It's almost like the perfect crime in a way because by the by the time the police have found out about you, you're probably off somewhere else. Oh, we're else. on our way to the next show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not like all the, it's not like all the police stations are going to, you know. Uh, no. No. Did you ever have any trouble with the police? Because I'm assuming, would they not find no. out? Well, the Grateful Dead are coming to town. You know, let's bust the uh, the the car park up. The partner. Well, around that time, the big deal was is that if you had a Grateful Dead sticker on your car, it was grounds to pull you over right. and search your car because you had a Grateful Dead sticker. Because they know more or less it's probably going to be some drugs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, we we had a couple run-ins, close run-ins, but. Uh, Thank goodness I never got arrested, never went to jail. No. Never suffered any of those consequences. Honestly, the worst thing that happened to me was when I lost track of my people and I didn't have a ride and I had to figure out a ride mm. to either go home or go to the next show. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going home, so I had to get to the next show. So I had to hitchhike, and uh, that was in Ohio. And uh, I was on a... a, a Long stretch of highway and uh, had backpack and that was it. And I was hitchhiking and some deadheads picked me up. And they're like, you can watch the show. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> nice. So they got me there. But So, um, so you're making it sound a bit, a little too nice. Was, was there anything else bad about it? I think the hardest part is watching people have bad experiences on um, on drugs. Yeah. Um, that can be pretty challenging, um, trying to de-escalate a person who's eaten way too much LSD. Um, and is um, Especially, I'm assuming, while you're on LSD at the same time. Oh, yeah. And that makes it even more difficult. <laughs> um, but anybody who's having a bad trip, because you never want to see anybody go through that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a scary feeling. I've been there. Um, I know what that feels like. So watching somebody go through that was pretty, pretty tough. Yeah, that was that was pretty challenging. That That's one difficult. of the one downsides yeah. of it, the heavy drug use. And there's the a lot of that that goes around, a lot of that. This might sound like a stupid question, but where would the drug supply come from? Because the, the, the two hours moving around all the time, like they wouldn't... So the... Was it like um, a traveling drug person? So there were, there were what they call families. Um, they call them Grateful Dead families. Right. Um, and these families all came from different communes in California. Mm. And so a lot of these families um, had access to either make it themselves or they knew somebody that could make it. Um, so a lot of it was manufactured out of California area. Right. And what, what happened is, is that when tour was over, everybody would just go and chill in San Francisco. That's where everybody goes and hangs out. But anyways, so these families would send out what they call Bibles. And a Bible is 100 sheets of LSD. On each sheet is 100 hits of LSD. 
So if you do the math on that. Yeah, I suppose you only need the one one or two Bibles yeah. and then you're sorted for a tour. Yeah. So you get you get one of those and that's kind of what we did. We got acquainted with this this family they're called the Silver family. Right. Um, and they were known, they were infamous for making really strong LSD. <laughs> really strong LSD. Um, so we kind of was connected to them. We had a couple sources, you know, at any given time that were, there were at least three to five of us together. Um, so we all each had our own little job, (laughs) so to speak. So, you know, one guy would go off and, you know, get as much acid as he could. And then what we, what we would do is we would give it for really cheap prices because we were on tour. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was this kind of like, um, like kinship that we were yeah. on tour together so we got good prices got the, the, the friendship rate kind yeah of, and yeah. what we would do is we would pull into these local towns for these concerts and we would just flood the entire town with lsd oh. <laughs> 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 and uh so that's how we made a lot of our money lsd nitrous oxide yeah well let's hope the statute of limitations is you yeah. know, passed on a lot of those <laughs> yeah. crimes yeah. just for this podcast. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Hopefully. Yeah. They wouldn't be able to track you anyway, would they? No. You know? No. So how? what was the longest period of time that you were on the road? It would be anywhere from like two months to three months um, per tour. Yeah. Um, so the ones that I had mostly did was um, spring and summer. Um, those were my biggies. And then I would usually come back. I remember being away from home for, you know, seven months at a time. Wow. Just, you know, my parents don't know where I am. I mean, my, my, my parents' stress level was, as you can imagine, yeah, yeah. just out, out of the roof. But they kind of learned with me young that I was just, I, I had that spirit in me and um, I was going to do my thing. So. Yeah. And what was it like when you did go home after? So my you know, parents were pretty pissed. Yeah. Um, I got thrown into rehab one year <laughs> after the tour, yeah. Um, I was a mess. Um, I needed some kind of, um, what do you call it, uh, just uh, a resetting because I was so far out of, like, society. Yeah, seeing out of everything else. I was just kind of, you know, um, what was reality to me was, you know, being on the road and, and you know, selling drugs and, and just being free. Um, and obviously that, that wasn't the reality. Um, life was the reality, mm. and I wasn't ready for it. So I had a really hard time adjusting uh, when I came home. I slept a lot. Yeah. And uh yeah, I just it just wasn't really um And what about the final time that you came home? Was it was it worse? The last time I came home I because I, I, I knew that it was over and I knew that I had to change my life and yeah. you know, I had to do all these things and so originally what I was gonna do was I was gonna clean myself up and then I was gonna go on fish tour. Um so you were going to join another yeah. band to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, but I went to a couple fish shows and it was cool, but it wasn't like I needed to follow them. Um, it didn't j- just didn't draw me like that. Yeah. So, um, but I eventually cleaned up and started working again, got a job. Um, but I'd never been the same since. Mm-hmm. You know, there was something missing. There's always something missing. Um, and it's called responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, 
yeah, it came to an end. And then uh, I've seen them a couple times because they, they're still playing now. Um, yeah. Without Jerry, they got John Mayer now. Um, so I've seen them a few times. It's not the same. I feel like I'm a bunch of we're a bunch of old people. Do you think <laughs> do you think the band's changed or do you think you've changed? Both. Yeah. I think I've grown up a little bit. Yeah. Um it's just a part of my life that I'm glad that I got to experience. Um but in a sense I'm kind of happy to be in a position to have a lifestyle of having a nine to five and picking up the kiddo from school and, you know, doing family events. Um you know, it's just still it's still the same idea um, that I got from touring. Um, mm-hmm. It's just on a much smaller level. <laughs> yeah. um, it's just me, my wife, and my ch- my kids. Um, it's not just this whole big following of people, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Um, and hopefully, there's a lot less drugs and a a lot less yeah, steel and affair nitrous oxide. Definitely as well. a lot less drugs. <laughs> um, yeah, those days are well gone. Um, I couldn't even imagine being my age now trying to do that kind of crap. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've kind of grown into my adulthood. And, you know, I, I we used to always say that, you know, um, deadheads don't get jobs. They just move away. <laughs> um, and I always thought that that would be my life. Um, but it's not. I'm totally, I'm, I'm, I'm part of society now. Yeah. Um, and it feels pretty good to be a part of society, you know? I mean, it sucks that I have to get up and go to work every day, but everybody's got to do yeah, it. So that's everybody. Yeah, you know? So uh, Shore Beats stealing nitrous tanks out of you yeah, know, hospitals. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's it's been a, it's been a long ride. Long Sounds ride. like it's just like a, a very unique experience to have. Yeah. I don't even know if I've got anything that was compared to it at all. I'm sure you do. Like the only, as I as I was saying, me and my wife uh, travelled around for quite a bit, and I can understand the sense of enjoyment of that. You know, you every day is completely different. Every place you is yeah. new, and you're kind of overwhelmed. Your senses are overwhelmed because yeah. everything's new. Yeah, you don't know where you're looking, and you don't know where you're going, and yeah. so that's kind of freeing in a way. And it is kind of nice to experience that, but at the same time, I always yeah. think, you know, well, it is it's so much nicer to wake up knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's nice to have that freedom, but again, you know, having that structure in your life feels like you have control. Um, that lifestyle that I lived, um, there wasn't a whole lot of control. You know, I was just kind of going with it, um, blowing in the wind. Um, and that's uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, after a while, it gets old. You know, you want a nice warm bed to sleep in at night um, and not be sleeping in the backseat of a car or, you know, on the side of the road in a tent or whatever. Um, those those parts I don't miss. I don't miss. Yeah. I, I like the stability of life today. <laughs>